So the reading this evening is from Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. So that's Romans chapter 8, verses 1 to 17. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit, who gives life, has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It doesn't submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. This is the word of the Lord. Good evening, church. Lovely to see you, uh, both here in the building uh, and also online. Tonight is Halloween, and uh, hopefully people are knocking on our doors while we're here, uh, so that when we... Have you? So when we get home, they won't be knocking. Um, But if they are, be kind to them. Tonight, though, I want to talk about Jesus, who isn't about tricks, is he? Uh, He's about treats. Uh, Treats that we need, treats that uh, perhaps we don't know we need, but they're always good, because the nature of our God is love, peace, joy, patience, all those uh, spirit truths that we hear in Scripture of who God is. 
So let's hold that in our mind tonight as we look at why we believe in the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles with you, uh, do turn to Romans 8. We will be dipping in and out, verses 1 to 17, uh, either on your phone uh, or in hardback. will be absolutely fine. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't often find myself in the back of a taxi. They're too expensive often, uh, and the bus or the bike or my legs will do. But a few months ago, I did. And Charles, the taxi driver, asked me what I was doing. I told him that we were actually following the critical care ambulance that had my three-year-old son, Henry, in the back of it. Henry had just sustained a significant head injury, and he was sedated and in, critical, uh, in a critical condition. And as we followed the ambulance, Charles, who wouldn't stop talking, uh, um, when I just perhaps wanted a bit of space to think about what was coming uh, and, and where we were going, uh, kept on asking me questions. And in the end, he said to me, what do you do for a job? Always a bad thing to ask a vicar or a trainee vicar. I told him I was training uh, to be a vicar. And he said to me uh, over the next 40 minutes, uh, his heart basically, it all just came out. He told me his story, he told me about his Christian faith, and he told me, most importantly, about his fears. As I listen to Charles, I keep on thinking that this chap knows the law of his faith, but he is yet to learn about the love of his faith. As we drive, I ask him, Charles, what do you know about the Holy Spirit? Of course, he stumbles, as most of us would when you're asked such a big, loaded question by a member of clergy in the back of your car. Anyway, he stumbles something back, and I say to him, well, what do you think about this three-person in the Trinity? I get to speak, and I share with Charles why without the Holy Spirit, without him inside us as walking, talking temples, we will get stuck we will get stuck with that impossible task of trying to be holy by ourselves. I tell him that without the Holy Spirit, without the source of life and the helper, we're not going to get very far. Upon my arrival at uh, the hospital, I ask him if he's happy for me to lay on hands for him to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He says yes. And I was amazed to be able to pray over him that he would know the Holy Spirit afresh today. And if you're wondering, he did still charge me for the ride. I told him it was his job, he had to. He said he felt bad, but hey, that's okay. Friends, I wonder tonight, those of you who are here and those of you who are watching online, are you like Charles? Do you know that there is something bigger, that you've started this journey of knowing who God is, of knowing who his son is, who Jesus Christ is, but the Holy Spirit, well, you're not really sure how that all fits in. Well, there's good news. You are not alone. I've got three uh, thoughts that I would like to share as we unpack why, as Christians, we believe in the Holy Spirit tonight. The first is that the Spirit gives us 
an identity. Secondly, the Spirit makes us holy. And thirdly, the Spirit helps us to pray. There are others, of course, but these are the three that I felt God wanted me to bring to us tonight. So the Spirit gives us identity. Paul, in our text today, goes straight to the heart of self-identity. His opening statement leapfrogs the middle premise of his argument with a therefore, because he wants us to clearly see what God has achieved for us, for you and for me. Paul wants us to see that we can be in him, we can be with God. It all begins with the work of the Holy Spirit. As Paul writes in verse 15, those who are led by the Holy Spirit of God are children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Notice here, friends, how our adoption is not achieved by our own achievements or our own ability, but by the work of the Holy Spirit. Friends, you and I simply cannot do it by ourselves. We need much help, but that's okay. That's why Jesus sent us the helper. That's why we must say yes to this beautiful gift of the Holy Spirit. The wonderful theologian Jane Williams says this, the Spirit's job is to make us able to stand in Jesus' own place in relation to the Father. It's because only of the Spirit that we are in the Son. And this is yours and my new identity. Do you know that you are so loved, so secured, and that you can be so much in love with God through the work of the Holy Spirit? Do you know that you can stand in Jesus' Jesus's own place? It's a big statement, but it's totally true. In our text today, Paul insists that the Spirit himself testifies and embeds himself in us to give us that insurance. Verse 16 reads that the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Wow. Very easy to throw these words around. They're big, but they're true. I think all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, when we look in the mirror, we are struggling with this. We struggle uh, with the fear of being rejected, don't we? I'm sure it's not just me. None of us want to be excluded. Yet when we say yes to Jesus, we are welcomed, aren't we, into the Father's home. However we come, we are empowered through the love of God a love that no person or technology or drug or addiction will give you. Only Jesus can satisfy that need. Maybe you're struggling tonight with your identity. Maybe you don't know who you're meant to be. Maybe you're waiting for somebody to tell you what it means to be human. 
Start with Jesus. Start with Jesus and pray, come Holy Spirit, fill me afresh so that I can know who I am and whose I am. Our text tonight, I think, tells us that our identity is as beloved children of God. We are empowered by the Spirit to be walking, talking temples, regardless of whatever situation we find ourselves in. Secondly, I think the Spirit makes us holy. I wonder what words you would use tonight to describe yourself. Smart, dumb, kind, horrible, good-looking, ugly. It may be any or a different type of word that you've labelled, that people have spoken over you, that you've picked up. But what about the label holy? In verse 23, Paul writes that the Spirit has inaugurated a new age, but yet that fulfillment is yet to come. What God has started in you, friends, he has not yet finished. You are not what you once were, but you are not what you shall yet be in Christ. This is because the Spirit is in the business, in the business of making us holy. It's a lifetime of hard work, isn't it? And it's a daily choice of saying yes to Jesus. But when we do that, we become those people who we are created to be, the holy, the holy people of God. Perhaps this evening you don't feel holy. Perhaps there's a million different words that you would use to describe yourselves, and holy is simply not one of them. Well, that's okay. Because for most of us, we do not feel holy. But Jesus, he is not finished with us yet. There is awesome power in the spirit. That spirit that in Genesis 1 created the heavens and the earth and it was good. Our default with God is to be good and right before him. And the spirit helps us along that difficult path. And as we live out our faith in clubs and places of work and in our homes and in our marriages and in our friendships and in our relationships, we are to be those holy ambassadors pointing to a better kingdom, to a different kingdom that stands for love, joy, peace, peace, kindness, gentleness, all the fruits of the Spirit. But there's more. We can only be holy because the Holy Spirit enables us to be so. No one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. Following Jesus is not about trying to convince yourself and your mates that you've got it all sorted, but it's about telling your mates that you know the one who can help you sort it out, the one who can help you sort out your sin and your muck and your shame. The Spirit of God will not overwhelm you. Perhaps you're scared today to invite the Holy Spirit in. You think it will have you on the floor screaming in tongues and you'd rather not have that. The Spirit may do that, but he may not. 
He will not overwhelm you. There is no uh, invasion. There is no control, but only fellowship as we follow and engage with the Holy Spirit and we let him transform us and to take his role in us. The Spirit will work with us to make us the holy people of God as we were created to be. The outrageous claim, I think, of Christianity is that we can find a way through all the darkness that we know we have in each of our hearts. That despair, that disappointment. Life hasn't been fair, it hasn't been fun, it hasn't been what we expected. But Jesus promises to be in the center of it with us. Do you know that Jesus runs to you each and every day? He runs directly to you. He wants to see you, to know you, to make you known. Thirdly, I think the Spirit helps us to pray. How often do you pray? What do you talk to God about? All of us, I suspect, feel like beginners when it comes to praying. But might it be that when we pray, actually, we need the help of the Holy Spirit, that when we pray on our own, we just simply can't do it well enough. In the next bit of our text, in verses 26 to 27, Paul reminds us that God knew our weakness of prayer and our limits of praying, and he writes this, we do not know how to pray as we ought. I think here that Paul is not condoning us that we're not praying good enough. Rather, he's doing the opposite. I think he's reminding us here that prayer will always remain difficult and it will always be hard because we will never have the full details. We will never have God's full purpose and full perspective over the situation. And we will never have his full love for whatever we're praying for. But with the Holy Spirit, in our hearts, as walking, living temples. We can be in that middle of the communion of God. We can get the same access to that conversation with God that Jesus had when he taught his disciples how to pray. When they saw the intimacy of the son praying to his father, Jesus didn't tell them to step away, to go. He taught them how to pray like him. We can have that intimacy. We can have that access because of what God did on the cross and his son and what he sent in the gift of the Holy Spirit. Friends, know that no one finds praying easy. It's a habit that we have to get into. It's an access door that we have to keep pushing on. And why do we do it? because prayer always changes the situation. It's either changing what is happening spiritually or it's changing you and how you see it. So don't stop talking to God. He's always available. He's there eternally. He's not gonna say, sorry, I'm busy, haven't got time today. And he's happy to speak with you. Trust the Holy Spirit this week that when you open your mouth, Whatever comes out is good enough for God because he's grateful that you're there, that you're speaking to him as his beloved child of God.
Today marks the start of COP26. And as world leaders gather in Glasgow, this urgent and long overdue collective, access, collective action on the climate crisis is starting. And as we sit here today as people who know who we are in Christ, you know, guaranteed of our identity in Jesus, as holy people pointing to the coming kingdom, yes, but not quite yet, as we pray in those needs and concerns of our world, can we do that for our world, for the gift that God has given us in creation? I believe that the Spirit is always working to repair our world. But friends, it starts with you and me. We are God's mouthpieces. We are his hands. We are his ambassadors, aren't we? And if the church isn't caring for God's creation, then who else will? In Romans 8, Paul speaks extensively on the nature of the Holy Spirit, but also on the renewal of creation. Have a look at chapter 8, verse 19 to 23, later on this week. And as you do that, keep praying for the renewal of God's creation. I think Paul reminds us that we are not robots. Sometimes you may feel like a robot, but you're not. You're so special that even the angels want to be like you. We have to have a love of Christ that sends us out to do the work of the Holy Spirit, to be with the Holy Spirit. So what are you going to do with the gift that you've been given? Sisters and brothers, now is the time to stand in our identity in Christ, to be the holy people of God, to pray with the help of the Spirit, and to let God go deep, deep within our hearts so that when we wake up at three o'clock in the morning, we know who we are and we know whose we are. God is saying to us this evening, I am waiting for the renewal of my creation and I am also waiting for the renewal of your heart. Pray each and every day. Come Holy Spirit. Amen.